This is the moment you've all been waiting for. Live with the best father and son team on the internet. It's time for Homie and the Dude. What is up, everyone? This is Homie and the Dude, the father and son MMA and TTRPG podcast and the destination for the best NPCs and then the entire, what, cosmos? Yeah, cosmos, planes, multiverse. Multiverse, everywhere. Um, we are delighted to be joined today by Lee Mitchell. Lee Mitchell is the Cage Warriors Academy Southeast Flyweight Champion. Lee, how the hell are you, man? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, not too bad. Good to be chatting with you guys again. So thanks for obviously penciling us in and getting us getting us on. No, it's good. It's 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 such a pleasure. It was great to watch your fight. Um, a couple of weeks ago, you really put on a, a, a very dominant grappling performance that was really, really awesome to watch. And actually, we've, we've gone back and, and watched, a, watched a bunch of your fights and, and, uh, and actually rewatched that one as well. Um, and oh, we have to say, okay. like, oh, no, of course. Uh, you, honestly, it's awesome to watch you fight. Your style is amazing. Your footwork is top notch. I can't, like, compliment you enough on your, on your stand-up footwork. You're... The way that you're very bouncy and light on your feet is a massive credit to how you move in and out and, and cut that distance because you're 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 not the tallest of lads in the world. But you are <laughs> <You're being polite>. <laughs> <laughs> but you you absolutely cut that distance beautifully and and get get into range really nicely. And furthermore, your grappling strength is something that is really to be desired by a lot of people. Um, I wanted to actually start off by asking you, like was grappling something that you started off doing? Was that one of like the core bases of your game? Is that like where you started as a young lad? Um, no, not really. Um, I feel like in like my earlier fights and stuff like that as an amateur, I mean, don't get me wrong, of BKK, do, we wrestle a lot. We do a lot of like mm. cage wrestling and stuff off the wall and stuff like that, which we all tend to do well. Um, but I think... In terms of competition, when I was younger, I just wasn't maybe wasn't composed enough to do the so much stand up and all that. I mean, I just if you like the very very early ones, I more or less just kind of just grapple everyone, take them down straight away, and just kind of go through the motions and just try and grapple people because I wasn't maybe confident enough in my stand up like early on to kind of let that side of the game kind of go. But um, I like. Now it's obviously nice to let a little bit of everything go, like kind of sound like sound the feet and kind of work the stand up game as well. But as obviously as you see, like the other week, I had to had to kind of rely on that wrestling that I've kind of always always kind of had. If that makes sense. <laughs> Thanks for watching this episode. We really appreciate you supporting Homie and the Dude. Please hit us with the Holy Trinity, like our Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and follow us on Instagram. Just search at Homie and the Dude. It all really helps. Yeah, yeah, totally. So let's let's uh, let's rewind back. Okay, so last time we saw you, we were holding a microphone in your in our hand to your face, and you had the belt around uh, your shoulder. Talk us through like after you know after you win a big fight like that. Um, what happens? Do you uh, do you go partying? Do you do you get with a, a small group of friends? Like, how do you celebrate a big win in front of a lively ass crowd? That crowd was insane that night. What what, what yeah, happened? Yeah, really good. Um, we went home. Um, I moved to Colchester 
couple of weeks back or like about probably about a month ago, over a month ago now. Um, but went home and just ordered a big old Domino's. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> ordered a, well, ordered lots, too much food like I couldn't even eat really. Um, just, I think we started watching the boxing. There was the Fury fight was on that night, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it was. I, I went to bed before that. I never even, I still haven't seen that fight, but I never even got to watch it. I was watching some undercard fights and it got to like 3 a.m. and I was like, do you know what I uh, that's that's one one f- super lush that you uh that you got to spend that time with your family and got to eat it seems to be a common a, a common trend that we seem to hear we had another couple of fighters on the night we were like you know what are you doing after this and a lot of them were like oh i'm getting mcdonald's like, <laughs> i need to i need to go eat some i need to go eat something what about what about jorge masvidal like folding up a, a couple <laughs> pieces of pizza at the press conference yeah. after <laughs> pizza. exactly like i wanted to ask you know are you finding with you that you're having is the weight cut a big thing for you is that something that in for for you to get in the cage is that something you're really having to focus on does it draw a lot from you or are you not cutting so much weight what's the situation for you um i think it's kind of normal really like mm. now but obviously as the years have gone on when i was like a 125er and like the amateurs and that i wouldn't necessarily cut that much weight um mm. at the time i thought it was a lot but mm. obviously as i've kind of got older and a little bit bigger i feel like everyone's doing big weight cuts now really so yeah it's kind of it's just like kind of normal um, mm. I, I wouldn't say I'm a massive 125, but you get some guys even who are bigger than I am cutting weight to, to get down to 125. So I think, although I do cut I, what I feel is a lot, it's it's kind of what's normal um, compared to like other guys. Everyone's kind of doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And do you know, it's, it's one of those things. I'd be interested to hear how you feel about that new norm, because I know, you know, there's been some controversy recently in the UFC with like two or three weigh-ins that have happened recently. And I know that also, you know, it's a big thing that if you're cutting a huge amount of weight, it can be quite detrimental to your body. It can do a lot of different things to you. And um, I don't know, how, how are you feeling about this new norm? Do you think it's a good thing, a bad thing? Like, is that something that you're like on the positive side about or are you not feeling so great about that? Um. I mean, it's it's a weird one to think about, really. I mean, mm. ideally, it would just be nice to have loads of different weight classes. So then there'd be like a middle, like a one thirty or something. So then the guys who kind of kill themselves to get to one twenty five, go, ah, oh, I just fight a one thirty, and then yeah. or, or like so it isn't so drastic, but mm. because everyone's always done it since I've been competing, even as an amateur, it's kind of just like say it's the normal. Um, it is normal, but I'd like to think that some of the big, some of the guys would be able to get a lot more fights in if they wasn't having to get that weight down. Obviously, I know everyone has like a, a relaxed couple of weeks on the diet and stuff after fights because they've been dieting for so long to kind of yeah. get the weight down. But I definitely feel like guys could be um, could be fighting more regular. Um, like most people only getting like three or four fights a year, or like yeah, at times. Um, maybe you could see them them guys kind of who knows get like five six fights even an extra couple fights similar to like i know it's different a different level kind of thing but similar to like amateur boxing you see those guys they fight so so regular um and i think like that would be a cool that would be a cool thing if the weight kind of wasn't so much yeah and even in some like amateur kickboxing and muay thai contests you have 
people fighting two or three times a night. Yeah. You know, you know, like yeah. going in one or two, three, a couple times a night. It's true, but I also here, here's the other side of it. This is the problem um, from the UFC's perspective that they want to position themselves as the elite level of of MMA, whether they are or not. You know, they are probably with some divisions. You could argue in some other divisions represented in Bellator and whoever else. They might have some fighters that can compete at the very, very top level. But if you look just at the UFC, I mean, you've got the featherweight division and you've got the lightweight division that one through, certainly one through 10 and maybe even one through 15 are just loaded. But then you start going into some of the other divisions, it's a little bit soft. Like, and, and so now they're starting to think if we break it up even more, then we start breaking up, you know, the featherweight division into um 145s and 150s that's that's going to break apart like you know who is Volkanovski going to be over here and Holloway is going to be over here and there's going to be so I get it from their perspective but I totally yeah. understand and appreciate your perspective and there's an element of health that should be overriding all of this which oh, is yeah, if you're definitely. Cutting, yeah if you're cutting too much weight and you're dehydrating you're not just dehydrating your body you're dehydrating your brain um both both cognitively but also the ability to take you know, to take punishment, it's all not good. So I feel you, man. That 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 is something that um, I'm in favor of. The more more divisions and more safety. I, I agree. I think fighter safety should be number one. I think specifically like cognitive safety. You know, and, and it's it's yeah, it's something that's really important. And you know, talking about like safety and stuff and and cutting weight and whatnot. Something that I think is super impressive with you is your output in fights. It's very rare to see someone go the amount of pace that you put into a fight. Like, and especially considering how much you do grapple in some of your fights. You know, you put it on them and you're dominating them in scrambles with your position control and your balance and momentum. Uh, but all of that exhausts a lot of energy. You must be doing cardio like nobody's business. Is cardio one of like one of the things that you you really focus on as part of your like training because it feels like you've just got a gas tank that doesn't it's, end it's, it looks like it's your secret weapon man it's like it's on par with like colby covington like it is the thing that you you put on a pace oh so i don't do any actual cardio um in <laughs> terms of like i literally don't i get up <laughs> i know it sounds like i haven't ran i love running as well but i just haven't like I haven't done it for a while. I mean, at times it's, I've gotten shin splints and that, which just took ages to get rid of. Mm. And I feel like, oh, for the sake of having sore shins, like sore shins and kind of calves for like months and months and months. I think the last time I ran, I ran like 5K and I had like pains running down my legs for like three months. And I was like, that's just not worth it. Um, yeah. But no, like it's just like mat time. Like all mm. the, like Sean, one of my coaches was saying, before um you think about all the well he's well, he's kind of said it to me he's like oh, you're probably right actually if um you're not gonna do cardio and stuff like that but you if i'm doing double sessions every night and a day at work obviously is the phys i have a physical job anyway um then going to do say i go and do nogi um and then wrestling so we will do let's say 45 minutes technique in the nogi and sequences and stuff like that and then we'll do three fives of grappling or mm -hmm. whether it be like freestyle grappling or situational like starting in bad position starting with someone on your back so then we're doing the three fives you think about how long your kind of heart rate is elevated for then there's that's one fight's worth of kind of elevated heart rate then going then doing another hour's worth of wrestling drills 
and then doing round robins for the last 20 minutes with all the all the guys who compete that's another 20 minutes of like kind of really elevated heart rate you say you're doing that every night where you're doing that start to finish every day day at work two sessions yeah. at night yeah. um yeah so and obviously hit uh, hit pads um and stuff like that which is obviously cardio but it's, it's all based around technique and stuff um but it's just mat being on the mat just a lot just try and try and get as much out of it as you can kind of then that's why i feel like i'm i feel like i get so fit to the point where in the round in like sparring and stuff um you don't you definitely don't slow down as much where you're kind of used to that output all, all week kind of thing but I've, i feel tired Monday to Friday kind of flies just because I feel like I don't stop at times like and it's <laughs> yeah. not like that's not me crying oh I've got to go to work and then go straight to the gym or whatever that's just that's just how how it is really um and then the same on the next day of gi jiu-jitsu but if we always finish with five fires in the gi like mm. and then on yeah. Wednesday so tonight we got the fighters round so I'll go and do technique and five fives for MMA fire with everyone so yeah. There's just a lot of output there, just being on the mat. Hundred percent. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it, it makes, makes, it makes total sense. Total practices sense. You, uh, practices you're gonna play. Yeah, and also just that the way that it's structured. So this is all happening at BKK. Yeah, yeah, literally. yeah. Yeah. So the way um, it's structured, the way that those those sessions are are moving from from skill set to skill set, sounds like it's just building in cardio for you. Talk a little bit about BKK. So do you have? Is Arnold there, Jamie Richardson there, all those? I mean, how does that feel having different levels of, of uh, competition, different sizes? How do you guys mix that all up? Yeah, so we've got we've got everyone down. Um, like, obviously, Jamie lives, I, I can't exactly remember where he lives, but I know we get Jamie and Ollie Star will come down and train with us um, for like the sparring sessions and stuff, and a few other bits and pieces at times. Um, Arnold's down at the moment. He's been down for ages, which has been obviously like awesome having him down. Um, trying to pick his brain at times, getting to do drills and stuff. Like he he's taking some of the classes at times. So just mm. kind of having Arnold's knowledge that he's kind of obviously he's been around and trained. Like he's out at TriStar a lot of the time, and yeah, um, and also just even the coaches that have kind of stayed there, they're always learning. Like Mason's always doing new stuff, and he's always keeping up with what everyone else is or like trying to stay a step ahead of what everyone else is doing in the MMA world and what what's mm. working and if these guys are having success with this then we'll try and work that in with the drills and see how it works for us um like Sean and Jason doing the jiu-jitsu um so I've obviously was working really been working really hard on my jiu-jitsu as well um but yeah um we've got George we've got Charlie we've got Loads of guys, all from different kind of a bit different stages of their careers and stuff. If you want to say, mm. obviously Arnold's yeah. like kind of way up there, um, and a lot there's some guys who haven't even fought yet who train just as much as all the mm. fighters. Like yeah. it's crazy. Um, there's so much, so many different guys to get working with. Uh, yeah. So it is, it is nice, and it's it's nice. I felt for the Cage Warriors Academy show we had. So we had other guys coming down for the sparring from different gyms and stuff. So there was. There's so many bodies about all the time and it was really good mm. um probably one of the better camps for that where there's been so many people about you're spoiled for choice on good guys to be around with and stuff like that so you can't knock it 
it's good yeah Australians are really good at being like that it yeah. sounds it sounds like a really nice atmosphere you know we we've talked to Arnold a couple of times and we we met him for the first time uh, at Cage Warriors Southeast but he's been on the podcast a couple of times and um you know he's he's just such a down-to-earth person and we know you know Jack is lush and <coughs> so I can just imagine the the environment there must really really be a supportive one but I imagine as well uh, a lot of blood sweat and tears <laughs> get shed in that gym um but you know I, I I want to tell a little story because you know when and just for people to get a perspective because for you to say you know I don't do cardio but it's a lot of mat time like for people to understand for those who don't do martial arts like Tom and I went and did jujitsu um, a few years back. And I know at our very first session that we did, we rolled and like we did the, we did the full class and then we did the rolling at the end and everything. And uh, we did rounds, you know, and whatnot. And afterwards uh, we got to the car and I threw up in the car park. I know that <laughs> I, 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 I straight up threw up in the car park because I had just gassed myself to a point it that I had not been at before. Wasn't it like the next two or three as well? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just bad. And like, I remember us talking about it and being like, I've never had to expend so much energy because it feels like I'm drowning in human while <laughs> doing jujitsu. And like, not only are you gasping for air to just survive, but then people are trying to choke you and like throw you around and like all this other shit. So to put that in perspective, if you're doing 20, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, two 40 minute sessions of that, it kills you. One five minute roll with someone will gas out your average you know, like your average athlete that plays football or, you know, is like a rugby player and stuff. It's just a different type of cardio that your body yeah, isn't used to because also you begin expending like adrenaline energy and, and like, like mind, like yeah, stress. It's exactly. like anxiety. And all yeah, that stuff. exactly. Yeah. It's a whole but different maintaining technique under fatigue as well. Like just yeah. knowing what kind of being able to stay relaxed whilst you're tired and kind mm. of pick and choose where you use your bursts of energy and stuff like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, tricky yeah it's a great point lee so um this this concept of you know dealing with extreme fatigue while you're in a fight and trying to maintain your technique is got to be hugely you know this it's got to be a mind battle what are some of the things when you're in the mix when you're in the thick of it maybe you've taken some you know some kicks to the body for example or you you're in the third round and you're um, you're starting to feel that your gas tank is being tested a little bit. Like what's going on in your mind to make sure that what you've trained is as tight as it can be, you know, whether it's striking, whether it's your next shot, whether it's your transitions on the ground, how are you managing that mental side of things? Uh, that's a good one. Um, like when in the, in the gym or in sparring rounds, for example, um, when you start to get tired, at times you see people load up on shots and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm guilty of it at times as well. Mm. Um, I don't know what it is when people get tired, they feel like, oh, like, then they start loading up on shots and then they're putting more in, which obviously takes more out of your, like, gas tank and mm. stuff like that. So yeah. I'd probably say just knowing that I'm, it's just practicing that in the in the rounds. Of it. If I'm in some really high-paced rounds and I feel myself start to start to run out of steam or run out of gas or whatever um just try and stay disciplined with not loading up and not kind of wasting anything else if that makes sense like trying not to be wasteful and then if that ever happens in the fight then just kind of take that same kind of approach think like all right i'm slowing down a little bit um kind of running out of steam a little bit let's maybe take a little bit off 
the shots or mm-hmm. let's take a little bit off or if I get to a good position, maybe be like, like feel like, all right, I can take a second here, maybe take a couple of deep breaths or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Just try and stay disciplined with, with everything. But it's hard, like you say, when you're in the thick of it and you're maybe in the third round or whatever, it's hard to kind of stay disciplined with kind of the stuff you're being kind yeah. of taught and the stuff you know like it is yeah. tricky um but just try not to panic really it's at, at times it feels like in those competitions it's who can who can not make a mistake first <laughs> like yeah. that's how it almost feels at times yeah do you know what that's so funny we have had multiple multiple fighters tell us now that fighting is not a case of who's better than the other one because they believe, you know, athletes are, you know, a lot of the high-level athletes are at a similar kind of level. Uh, they believe it is literally a game of chess, and whoever makes those first couple oh, yeah. of mistakes is going to lose the fight. Um, do you know what? I really wanted to, like, for, first of all, your grappling is top-notch, and something that Tom and I really appreciated was your positional knowledge and your understanding of momentum and, uh, and balance it is really top-notch. Your, your controlling your opponent's weight is, is really amazing. I wanted to transition, though, into talking a, a little bit about your stand-up because you mentioned earlier, you know, in, in the early part of your career, you weren't as confident with your stand-up and you grappled a lot more. I have to say, uh, we watched, for example, your two fights in, in, in Cage Warriors and uh, you clipped both gentlemen and dropped both of them yeah. in both of the fights and your stand-up looks absolutely amazing. And actually, something I wanted to just say to you personally, and I, I don't think I got a chance to express that to you uh, in person when we were interviewing you, is that your stand-up, though you are so good at grappling, your stand-up is something that you can rely on. Like, I'm watching you. You're precise. Your slips are really good. Your head movement is great. Your footwork is awesome. Like, you don't need to be, I'm not saying that you are, but if you are at any point feeling underconfident about it, I can tell you as someone who's watched many of your fights now and seen you live, your footwork and everything is beautiful. You can strike with people really, really well. But the question that I kind of want to ask you is you deal with a lot of orthodox fighters. You are actually a, uh, a Southpaw yourself. Um, do you find fighting orthodox fighters a weird thing? It, does that affect your stand-up and your strategy? Or are you happy to throw it with, uh, with either stance? It, do, does that bother you? Talk, talk about like facing guys in different stances. So, cheers, uh, obviously, I appreciate it. Obviously, you can't words and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. that you're saying that like, I appreciate that. Because you're saying like, I have consciously put a lot of work into trying to improve that aspect of my game over the years yeah. or whatever. Um, but, like, yeah, like you say, uh, kind of, I have obviously consciously uh, tried to improve that aspect mm. of everything. Um, so I can't remember where I was going with that. We're just talking about stand-up with this, for, uh, your orthodox versus oh, orthodox traditional fighters. That's right, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There's, I tend to I like the open stance kind of battle um mm. I really enjoy that um because there's so many there's more there tend to be more anyway orthodox guys out there than Southpaw um yeah. so one of like we got so there's a boxing coach who I work with Russ who mm. like does he trains so many Southpaws like Arnold works with him uh, Corey works with him uh, when she was down uh sean does like so that's the only reason i kind of i've only been, i've been working with him about a year um 
but obviously just because I saw that Arnold's boxing is sick, Corey's boxing mm. sick, Sean's a great boxer. I thought, oh, well, I'm obviously just going to go and work with that guy. He's obviously like, there. you see their boxing is yeah. fantastic. I think, oh, I want a piece of that. I want, I want some, I want hands like Arnold, do you know what I mean? Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's also the, the stuff that Mason's been doing with us for years as well. Like, like, all like the hand fighting and beating the feet. I feel like I, if there was a like a clicker for every time Jack had ever said to me, "Beat the feet, beat the feet," I reckon we'd be in the hundreds. Like, and that's not an exaggeration. Like, honestly, if he ever sees this, he'll probably laugh. But when he was he was saying this all this kind of stuff to me in like earlier on, but again, I wasn't. It's only all coming into place a little bit more nowadays um, when I'm a little bit more comfortable everywhere and a little bit kind of more relaxed enough to let all those kind of techniques flow and the footwork flow with the hands and beating the feet and all the hand fight. Um, so I, I enjoy fighting and like sparring with orthodox fighters because I like that open stance kind of battle. I feel like it's, it's, you have to be disciplined with it kind of thing. You can't just be kind of hasty and rush in with anything uh, like, and kind of let them get that outside. So it's, it's cool, but it's all stuff that we've been drilling for ages. So it's mm. nice to kind of be able to <coughs> be able to show that on like especially in the cage warriors fights. Um yeah. I know I didn't get the results in those fights, but I was happy with myself because that was probably the first kind of time really that I'd be been able to let my stand up really go. And um obviously there was a little bit of a break between fights through COVID and stuff. So we had a lot of time to work. But uh, I like the the open stance battle. I think that's really cool. Uh, I, I, I fully agree. You looked phenomenal in those two fights on your feet. You were you were throwing really, really nicely, defending really well. It was it was great to watch. And do you know what? something that I'm also really loving about a lot of the fighters we talk about, especially the English fighters, it seems like, is the level of humility amongst all of you. And you know, for you to say, you know, it's one of those things that Jack's been saying to you for a long time, but you're just piecing it oh, together now. Years. Yeah, and you know, it's one of those things that I really understand. Like, I, I had it very recently myself. Uh, I, I'm, I'm working on driving myself at the moment because uh, it's I, I've not been a big fan of cars my whole life, so I'm now picking up driving because of something you know a bit more necessary. And uh, I, people always said to me, like, you know, you can feel the revs, like, you know, oh, just feel, just feel the car, feel the car, you know, kind of thing. And until I like sat in the driver's seat and like actually got behind it and started doing it myself, I was like, oh, now oh, I get it. That clicks into place. Yeah, there we go. That conversation now makes sense. Mm. And I think it's one of those things where you just slowly have to find the pieces and then bring it together. And then eventually it's like one of those things that you do subconsciously. Like you said, when you get into those later rounds, it becomes, you know, you start slipping back into what is like my default technique, you know, what is... What is like my like known muscle memory of cool, beat yeah. the feet. I've heard that a thousand times. And so now at this point, without even thinking, I'm beating the feet because it's something that's happening uh, through just pure, like almost subconscious energy yeah. at, at that point. Do you know what I mean? Do, yeah, you find, do you find on your end that it, it's now ticking into that subconscious place? Do you, do you find that it's starting to, to tick over that? And I also wanted to ask you, what, what did it feel like fighting in the, the bigger cage warriors like promotion uh, versus, uh, you know, like the South, uh, the Southeast promotion? Was that like, did it feel like a big step up? Did it feel like you were under more pressure or anything? Uh, because you look like you took it very well and came out with the same kind of level head as well. Um, 
I I really enjoyed both of those Cage Warriors fights, really. Um, it was at a time when there was nothing else about. Um, so it gave me a little bit of a kind of kick up the arse like mm. no one else really had at the time, whereas a lot of guys kind of sat out for two years. Um, we was training at a top secret location, um, <laughs> just like a, a small a small group of us, and we were all trying to get kind of... Then we had, who's on there from BKK? Steve, me, Steve, and Jamie Richardson. So like there was obviously those three guys in the gym, as well as the guys who were around to train with those guys and be bodies for them and stuff like that. So there's like... I know, or was it? No, that was just after that period. Sorry, I've got kind of gone back too far. Um, the cage Royce ones, I think gyms were just allowed to be open, I think, or mm. something like that. Um, but it was all very, it was kind of a time when there was only the pro guys in the gym yeah. for those guys, if that makes sense, is what I'm kind of getting mm. at. Um, because there wasn't like any kind of, not anyone could kind of train at the time yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, literally, yeah. it was only the pro guys or any competition guys were allowed in, so everything was very focused for a while. Um, but I didn't, I thought there would be more pressure, um, mm. for those, like instead of the like Southeast show. But I felt like I performed better on the Cage Warriors, like again, like probably my fight against Fletcher is probably one of my favorite fights of like I've had. Um, mm. I know the result, I made some mistakes and the result wasn't what I wanted. Um, but in terms of my own performance, um, I was happy with being able to do all the southpaw stuff that we spoke about, do all that right and stay relaxed. Like at the end of round one, I didn't even feel like I was really breathing that heavy and um, mm. everything was kind of going well. Um, but that's then both of those fights as well. And the second one, like it's probably the most relaxed I felt at at that time, having no crowd and stuff like that. Because you obviously mm -hmm. haven't got people you know screaming at you all the time when, like, like a couple of weeks back or whatever, you're trying to stay relaxed and trying to not rush or anything, but it's, it's a bit more of a, a bit more of an atmosphere and it's a bit... Um, mm. You tend to rush a little bit more, I think. But no, I really enjoyed... I like, like, I enjoy competition anyway, so um, yeah. competing anyway is obviously decent. Mm. We've, we've talked a couple times about the crowd versus no crowd thing and some fighters absolutely thrive on having the crowd and other fighters thrive on having no crowd like it's the no crowd thing is it feels a little bit more like a, a gym condition a training session condition other fighters really tap into the energy of the crowd and it maybe lasers them in it gets them a little bit more focused in it sounds like you tapped into a little bit of both uh you you, you enjoyed the no crowd when the cage wear stuff but also i mean that last you know you're the last fight the main fight of the of the of the night and the crowd was raucous all the way through, but they were really just like the roof came off. So how, how, where would you put yourself? You a little bit of both or one or the other that you prefer? I've got to say a little bit of both, to be fair. There's, there's aspects of everything. Like, I definitely get more of like an adrenaline kind of effect with a crowd, which isn't always good, obviously, because you're trying to, I feel like that can give you a bit of an energy dump at times. Like you kind of feel like, why am I so tired? And why are my legs kind of heavy? Um, whereas I didn't get that on either of the cage warriors fights with no crowd because, like you say, it feels like a bit of a bit of a sparring session or something maybe. Um, mm. So you can kind mm. of relax as if you're as if you're just sparring. Like, but with the crowd, it's like you say a lot more of an atmosphere, and they're they're kind of they're fired up. <laughs> they want to see you fight. <laughs> they're fired up. Here's just a technical question. So 
crowd or no crowd, are you here? Are you hearing Jack's voice with a crowd? And, well, of, of course, without a crowd, it's coming through pretty clear. <laughs> I was gonna say, and, and Jack's Jack's got a hell of a voice. <laughs> as well. He's cutting he's cutting through a lot of a lot of those places. Yeah, but it, like, how much of that are you taking in? Are you taking in That's voices in the crowd that are coming through? How much of that is, is are you aware of, or is it sort of tunnel vision at that point? Yeah, it's definitely. That's I've not actually thought about it, but now you've mentioned it. Um, when I feel like when with the crowd, um, it isn't as dialed in. I don't feel like. Um, pardon me. Um, it isn't as dialed in, and you can hear people screaming and shouting and stuff. Nothing really precise, but um, just general people screaming and shouting. <laughs> mm. um, Kick his head in. in corner as well. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally, just mad stuff. Um, but with the no crowd, I mean, I can almost just tune in, or like you can almost you're only hit, you're only listening for that for your corner. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, yeah. like so, yeah. I find it's a little bit more, um, a little bit. It's definitely easier to hear the corner and get instructions. Like, because there's definitely times in fights when you need that instruction, when they've got a different view than what you've got, and they're like, oh, you need to do this, or you need to work this, or let's yeah. pummel this back in, or let's, like, whatever. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So you definitely need that instruction sometimes, and it's definitely easier to hear with no crowd. Yeah. And do, do you know what? That makes total sense. Do you know what was hilarious? So to Tom and I are watching the fights and taking our notes for, for, for the interviews, and there's one moment where both of us were watching one fight and we're, we're they're in this like grapple position. And uh, it, I believe it was like a half guard. Basically it was like, it was like a super like tight, like lockdown half guard. And this lady is just screaming at the guy on top. She's <laughs> like, get an arm bar, giving him arm bar. And Tom and I are like, get an arm bar. This, 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 this this poor guy is being shouted at by, <laughs> by a fan who clearly has no clue what an armbar is. Yeah. And I'm like, that's got to be so freaking awful to be in the cage just having like a friend shouting you do an armbar while you're like trying to operate and focus, you know? She did it a couple times and yeah. just, it's just like, there's no way they can pull an armbar right now. Like, why are you? <laughs> people are crazy, man. People are, people are proper crazy. They just, they, the thing is, they, there's a bar that they've been at all night, like that are going to be shouting mad stuff. Like honestly, um, it always some of the, It's not until you sometimes watch the fights back, we can hear people screaming and shouting, and you think bloody yeah. hell. Yeah. Think, why? You no, it, was, it was an amazing. It was an amazing atmosphere. We really, really enjoyed it. I want to just circle back. So you mentioned uh, that you really admired in the striking. You admire people in the gym, Arnold, Corey. Um, but let's also look at just sort of your ideal MMA fighter. When you look at the complete package, who are you looking at? Uh, whether it's in BKK, whether it's in the UK, Europe, uh, Bellator, UFC, like who do you look at and you say, wow, that's the one. That, like if I could, if I could put it all together similar to that, um, that's where I want to be. Oh, that's a tough question to be fair. Um, <sighs> the thing is, there's so many there's so many guys out there now who are so polished. Like, do you know what I mean? Who are so, yeah. um, who are so, and everyone, even at like the local kind of, like low end kind of professional scene, there's guys who are like seriously, seriously good. Um, yeah. So it's, there's so, there's so many people to look at, but he's, he's really, really good. He's really, really good. Um, 
I'd like to have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Uh, yeah. Like, but obviously having like Arnold, who is a Southpaw in the gym, mm-hmm. um, who strikes so well, uh, he, mm-hmm. he wrestles really well um, and puts it together nicely and looks super composed the whole time. Um, something like something like that obviously but I also like I'm a big fan of Mad Fennell who obviously fought Arnold um, mm. like I love the way like he kind of uh, he just dominates people with the grappling and stuff like that as well and he's he's just crazy like but he's got very good boxing as well but in like a different way to like what some other guys do he kind of rolls with the shots a lot more and, and kind of gets in with that and, and then just kind of crushes people with grappling uh, so there's so many different people I like I like the way that like, Jan kind of um, he's almost like defensive, like rolling with the shots and everything like that the whole time while he's kind of like kind of applying pressure and stuff like that. And it kind mm. of a lot, a lot of the pressure fighters, obviously, um, just because you have being a short guy, you can't let these rangy guys work. Um, yeah. So anyone who kind of works at pressure, kind of works with pressure, um, yeah. but also like some of the guys who can kind of play the matador quite well. I, I admire that because you've not always got the energy to kind of try and stick it on someone. So there's always mm. going to be a time when someone's coming at you that you have to play the matador and work a lot, like work out and angle off, do the southpaw bit a little bit. Um, so there's so many, there's loads of guys who I kind of like and um, kind of look yeah. at like. <laughs> yeah, dude, you like, name some people to kind of look at. <laughs> yeah, you name some great people there, and you know a lot of that is stuff that and. Do you know what? Honestly, Tom and I have said countless times we believe Arnold Allen is, if not like in the next like five years, going to be champion. He is easily going to be top two, top one in the next five years and then fighting for that belt, you know, pretty mm. soon thereafter. Mm. He's so exceptional sure. and, sure. and, and yeah, and such a, a powerful player. I think, you know, just an amazing role model to be able to have, you know, in the yeah, gym cool. and and. And, uh, and and bring to the table. I can imagine it, it, it's something that's pretty awesome. But, you know, at the end of the day, at some point, you know, um, at some point he's going to be, be a target for, you know, some of those bigger people. And, you know, he's going to get tested with fire. And I, I honestly can't wait to see him breach into that top five and, and bring that hellfire. Saying that, you know, that's kind of what's next for Arnold. You have just taken over the, you know, the championship for the uh, for the Cage Warriors Academy. What are you kind of looking for next? Uh, maybe before the end of the year, do you have anything booked up, or are you looking for something like early next year? What's what's your kind of plan in terms of fights, and what's 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 kind of what are you looking for uh, going forward for you? Uh, for me personally, um, I'm not. I don't know if I'll get anything out before the end of the year. Um, mm-hmm. I had four fights December to December. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's four fights. Um, before that, I trained for like over the kind of lockdown period. I trained for a lot that never happened. Um, mm-hmm. So it's nice to kind of learn a little bit, get a little bit better for the next time out. Um, I'm still. The thing is, I'm still in the gym just as much as I would be if I had a fight. But mm-hmm. the intensity is obviously different. I'm not. I'm not getting my weight down. I'm nice and doughy, if you hadn't noticed by the cheeks that I didn't have a couple of weeks back. Like, I'm doughy. <laughs> I put on some weight. Um, we, I've got to like, follow up still, on that. 
go ahead and continue, but I got to follow up on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be cool to just to kind of be in the gym. Like, you know, like I say, I'm still still working, still getting my, my one-to-ones in with, well, like, on the, like, with my boxing coach. I'm still sparring twice a week. I'm still doing this. I'm still trying to pick everyone's brain and learn um, and look for new things to put into my game. Um, but definitely next year, I want a super busy year. But in terms of big fights, um, obviously I had those Cage Warriors fights that I didn't get the results in. Um, and they do fucking set you back. Like, you, mm-hmm. they do set you back in terms of momentum, um, where you're kind of not, especially losing two on the bounce as well. That's the first time I've ever lost two fights on the bounce. So for me, that was, mm. that was a real... Um, Learning for you. No, yeah, definitely. It's like, damn, I've never lost yeah. two fights before. Mm. This and like, it isn't easy. Everyone is so good. Um, but just kind of continue to build my career. I've got two fight. I've got two wins back on my side. I don't have to rush into any stupid fights. Yeah. Um, yeah. but not saying I want to fight a load of divs because I definitely don't. I want to be fighting guys who I should be fighting. Um, yeah. Like, obviously, um. Like most guys, well, I know there's quite a lot of guys out there who wouldn't have fought someone like Hignett being three yeah. and two or like three and one, whatever, uh, three and two. Um, yeah. He's eight, eight and six or something like that, um, which would have been awesome to get a win over someone like that who's very experienced and very good. Um, mm. But you don't necessarily have to take those fights all of the time. Um, yeah. Everyone, like most guys out there who everyone gets a chance to build their career up and take don't get me wrong, take the big fights, but take the big fights when you're ready for them, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, yeah. totally. You get these, yeah, I, yeah, know, I understand yeah. you get a lot of guys out there who kind of just, oh, I want to fight everyone. And then you look at where they're at in two years and they're like negative and that haven't really got many opportunities on there coming up for them because of that. Like, I still want to fight for a, a long time and I want to yeah. build my career up and have like, don't get me wrong. I know you win and you win some, and you do lose some. But mm. I don't want to burn all like my opportunities up. Mm. And I'm 24 years old. I still want to be fighting when I'm 30, 30 odd. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So just continue to build my career. Continue to learn. Really, in a nutshell. <laughs> Sorry, waffled yeah. on a little bit there. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. No, 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 no not at all. Thank it, you. Yeah. It, it reminds me of uh, I've, I've heard Aspinall, Tom Aspinall, talk similarly. He, you know, he now he is he is. Up, I don't know if he's in the top 10 of the heavyweight division, but he's like, I'm not in any hurry. Like, I'm going to be here. I'm young enough where I'm still learning. And I want to take my time and I want to fight the guy that maybe is just right above me and march up the ladder yeah, exactly. appropriately. I don't, need to, I don't need to go the fast, you know, the fast route and uh, get to the top maybe too soon and, uh, and, and maybe expose some of my vulnerabilities that I haven't been able to develop along the way. So that sounds and very consistent. Do you know what, talking about doughiness and rushing the gun, this links me to one person <laughs> called Paddy, Paddy Pimblett, who, first of all, like, it, 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 like in terms of doughy, I've never seen anyone cut so much weight and then within a week put so much weight back on. I've, I've never 
it's Patty has yeah. a different definition of doughy than we do. Yeah, I was gonna say you call. I was about to say you call yourself doughy, and look at how much weight Patty put on after his lightweight fight. I cannot believe and that. I, I don't think we're talking out of turn. Like Patty is proud of it. Like he he has like Instagram oh, shots. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just like <laughs> lifting up, and you know he's he's proud like, of uh, the points that he's put down. But also talking about that, he was one of those guys that I felt in this first fight may have been a bit rushed in of that. He goes in and gets absolutely clipped in that first fight. Like, I, there was a point where Tom and I were like, oh, my God, he's about to lose this. Mm. Like, he is genuinely about to lose this. And he did manage to come back and get the win. But if he doesn't alter some of the stuff that he's doing, you know, with, especially with leaving his chin up high and stuff with his striking and stuff, it's going to hurt him later down the line. And who knows what kind of damage that does to his career. Following that, I think the similar thing happened with Sean O'Malley when he when uh, Cheeto Vera beat him as well. Um, you know, it kind of put a bit of a road bump in his career. And, you know, he was, uh, you know, on main cards and now he's back down into the prelims and things like that. And I think you're There's nothing wrong with it. I was going to say, you're totally right with building yourself up and, and, and doing it from a place where as you gain those skills, taking the right fights for you. And like you said, you're, dude, we're, we're like, we, we looked earlier, you and I are literally like, 11 months apart in terms of age and like you're a young dude you've got more than enough time to learn improve progress and begin to dominate like it really is there you know and you've got the time to do that i would say that's the thing like um like the thought of having these kind of big fights against some of these big names like that's exciting don't get me wrong like i don't i don't want to avoid the big fights and stuff like that um and against some of the really experienced guys who are really really good like i want to be able to test my skills against those guys but i want to be so polished and have everything down to the absolute t by the time that i get there that i'm my best self by the time i get there um yeah. and fighting the big the big names and stuff like that like yeah. Hey, man. Um, we have been asking you some of the softest questions we can come up with. This here comes a hard one. So, are you are you ready for a real question? I'm ready. All right. Here we go. Um, talk us through your Instagram profile uh, picture because, dude, your hair is feathered and lethal, and your abs. Like we could like break Parmesan <laughs> cheese on them, bro. You. <laughs> it looks like a GQ fucking photo shoot. <laughs> Talk us through that shit, bro, because... When did you take this photo? <laughs> Who took this photo? That Incredible. was a couple of weeks back at the... Uh, that was at the uh, weigh-in of the fight. Really? Okay. Oh, mate, you look fucking ripped in that. <laughs> Holy shit. To be fair, if you see me, that was literally five minutes after I got off the scales, and I... I it looks okay in the photo because you don't have any real perspective of, like, anything... But if you see actually see me walk around, I look like a bloody corpse. Like, oh, yeah. like <laughs> it looks <laughs> good. It looks good under the it looks good under the downlight and everything when you can see everything. But um, that was literally like five minutes after I got off the scale. So, like, you can see my bloody cheekbones and everything. I look like uh, <laughs> Christian Bale in what, what film is it? He's in, oh, in, uh, like the mechanic or the fighter. Yeah, or something that's like that. yeah. <laughs> He's, Oh um, my god. But, yeah, that was literally just then. So that's why I'm so shredded. I definitely don't look like that now, I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> uh, definitely not. Um, but yeah, so that's that's the beauty of um, that's the beauty of the weighing pictures, isn't it? After <laughs> get 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 a good picture while you're suffering. It makes per I mean it makes sense, you know. You I might as well get something for it, haven't I? Yeah. I was gonna say <laughs> I it makes, makes sense. Um, dude, 
it has been such a pleasure talking to you today. You, you're such an awesome, charismatic guy, and we're so confident that we're going to see you uh, chugging your way through that, uh, that pro circuit in the next couple of years. Um, quickly want to hand it over to you. Feel free to, uh, to shout out your, 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 your sponsors and your socials and where people can find you so that more people can, uh, can get behind the, uh, the Lee Mitchell train and hop, up, hop on board, climb on the top, get some seats in the middle, you know, hang out a window, you know, whatever it is they want to do. Um, so my, I don't, I don't use Twitter. Um, although I think it is the same name as my Instagram one, um, oh. and I just share everything from the Insta to Twitter anyway. Uh, but that's oh. at L R Mitchell ninety seven. Um, so that's pretty much the only one I use other than Facebook. Um, shout out to another barbers in Whitham who've been sponsoring me for the last few years. Um, big up them, big support there always from from them. Um, Level up gaming, who is a recent one for this. Uh, and I obviously said that in the interview. Um, they do the gaming PCs, custom built. Um, big up to those guys. Raw CBD, who've been again sponsoring me for a little while. Been they must have given me so much stuff, I lose count. Um, always keeping me topped up. Uh, who else we got? We have got Kilo Oscar, um, who is a clothing brand. Um, big up to them. Always they've kicked me out massively um, in the past. Uh, who else we got? Who else we got? Obviously, shout out to BKK Fires and everyone at the gym, Stone Sports Management. Um, who else we got? And Sweeney's Orange Fightwear. Oh, I mean, I think I've got the very, very first pair of shin pads that that he actually ever had, and they're more or less bulletproof. So get get hold of them, and they actually he actually kicks out the gym now as well. So big up to big up to Sweeney's Orange Fightwear. Uh, I think that's it. Could be wrong, um, but there we go. <laughs> and obviously, Fist <laughs> was... podcast as well for the sweet kit the other week. Fist Dust, big up Dan Lester. Oh, amazing. Nice one. Amazing. Just have to say, that was one of the highlights of our time at Cage Warriors, where you literally, we had to move the camera down for you to go around to each and every one of your sponsors on your on your shorts that night. That was, a, that was, a, that was <laughs> fucking brilliant. That I was can't perfect. remember anything, man. I've got the worst <laughs> memory. Honestly, I've got such a bad memory. I must say, I'm like, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so, so much for talking to us tonight. Guys, oh, cheers, uh, we've cheers, been Homie and Dude, Father and Son Podcast. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you guys in the next one. Uh, if you uh, want to hit us with the Holy Trinity, we'd really appreciate it. Head over to Twitter, follow us there, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And uh, if you want Facebook or Instagram, whichever you prefer, um, uh, whatever suits you guys best. But uh, Lee, thank you so much. And, Thanks, Lee. Uh, we'll see thank you very much. Cheers. Right. Hey, guys, thank you so much for watching Homie and the Dude today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this video. If you did, please hit us with the Holy Trinity, go follow us on Twitter, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and like the Facebook. It's the best way that you can help us out at the moment. Hope you have an awesome day. Thanks for watching, guys.